Good morning, everybody. I, I want to embark this morning on a subject, really a question. What is the will? I know, I know, we know what the heart is. We talked about that last week. We kind of know what our soul is, you know? And, and we also know what our mind is, heart, soul, mind. But when it comes to our will, do we really know anything about it? All right, here's some questions. Here's some questions. Just get us. Am I strong-willed or am I weak-willed? Yeah, just think about your own life. Are you a strong, were you a strong-willed child or were you weak-willed? You know, just go along with the flow and let anybody, whatever they said, you just kind of went along with that. Here's the second question. Is my will given to me at birth? Or the third question is, can my will be developed? Is that something that I can develop over uh, time and, and with uh, education or maybe with training? Is that something I can do with my will? And here's another question. Does my will actually control me? Does it control me? And the last is, can I change my will? I mean, can I change my will in the way that I am in my nature and character. See, our will is at the center of who we are. It's at the center of who we are. Okay, so so when I think about the will, I, and, and I, there's a question that always keeps coming up, and what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Now, here's some things I do know. God has a will. <laughs> he has a will. He has a purpose for the things that he does. What he wills becomes. Okay, there's a passage of scripture in Proverbs that I want to read to you. It says this. It says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's will that prevails. You know, many are the plans in a man's heart, but hey, when it comes to God, his will will be done. It will be done. So what is God's will for my life? Okay, so before we get there, let's kind of go back to the very beginning. Was, was I created with a will? Was, how, did, how did I actually receive? Did, did, that, did, did the will come about after uh, Adam and Eve and their sin in the garden, where was that? When, when did it actually happen? Well, God had a will. And God being in, being in the same nature and character of God in that he created man in his own image, God has a will. And he also gave that to you and to me. The Imago Dei, that image of God that's placed in every single human being. Every single human being with that Imago Dei, that, that presence of God, the essence of who He is, the eternal is inside each and every one of us, it also came with a will. A will, which means I can either decide or not to decide to be His or not be His. Before Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they had a will. They had a power to decide. Even before Eve came along, even before Eve came along, Adam had a will. Okay, so listen to this passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verses 19. And just think of you think about the will and what God gave him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called the, each living creature, 
That was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Okay, so what is a will? What is a will? You can write this down. The will is the power to decide. It is a power to decide. Okay, so another interesting thought. This is just a this is kind of a, a side road, okay? But I, I just thought it was interesting. I was thinking about the God's created beings as well. The, you know, the create the angels, his servants. And I was wondering, did God give them the ability to choose as well? Did he give him them the ability to give them a will? And the answer is absolutely yes, he did. All right, look in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, Are they not all ministering spirits and out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Ministering spirits sent out to serve. They have the choice of that because when you look at Jude, verse 6, it says this, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains until gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Okay, so even the angels had the power to decide. Because when you are created by God, He puts the essence of the holy inside you. The Imago Dei, and with that is your will. Every one of us are born with a will. It is given to us by God. It is who we are. It is that power to decide. It's the power to say, I will honor you, God, or I will not honor you. I will love you. I will hate you. And, and, and that's, I will serve you or I will not serve you. I will be disobedient to you. I will be faithful to you or I will be unfaithful to you. Okay, so when you think about your will, most, most of our wills can fit into three different categories. Three different categories. And, and most of us know these, but I'm just going to give them to you anyway. And, and how many of us? So the first one is the strong will. The one who determined to do what one wants to do. Determined to do as one wants. You know, when I think about that, I always think about Samson. I don't know why, but the first words out of his mouth are just classic. They're classic. They're they're the classic strong-willed child that I'm going to do what I want to do, and you're not going to tell me any different. By the way, any of you strong-willed children? Any of you strong-willed now? (laughs) Yeah, some of us are still strong-willed, aren't we? Yeah, so you think about the words that came out of Samson's mouth. Here's, here's, here's his first words recorded. First words. I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. He's saying that to his parents. I'm a strong-willed child, and here's what I want. I want that Philistine woman. I want her, and I want her now. That's being strong-willed. Samson was strong-willed. Have you ever done something that you probably shouldn't have done because you were strong-willed? I'll tell you a little story. This involves my middle brother and my uh, mom. Uh, when they were in, uh, my brother was in high school or something like that. It was the time when you know dipping was a big thing, and so he started dipping. 
And my mom was just furious. She just hated that he had taken up that habit. And and so my little my middle brother is very strong-willed, very strong-willed. And he, what he wanted to do, he wanted to do. And mom was like, you can't do that. That's a habit that you shouldn't be doing. And, and she, he looked at her because my mom was really overweight. And he said, well, you have a habit of overeating. If you lose 50 pounds, I'll quit. I'll quit dipping. <laughs> That's being strong will. Well, my mom lost 50 pounds and my brother stopped dipping. I mean, they at least held true to that. And you wonder sometimes how a strong-willed child, how hard it is to even... I mean, how many of you have lost sleepless nights over children who are strong-willed, who may even be strong-willed as adults, and you're still losing sleep over them? Okay, so here's here's the second one. The second one is this, the weak-willed, the weak-willed. That's lacking the ability to resist influence or restrain one's impulses and how many of us have been scammed ever that'd be me i have a habit of getting myself into trouble by smooth talkers if you know what i mean and uh, yeah i have been scammed on a couple of occasions more than probably i should have because i trust people and I just think everybody's good and everybody's wonderful, but they're not. They're not, are they? And I just and so there's these these people that you just go, oh man, I I, I think they're all good, and but they're not. And they sell you a bill of sale. They tell you something. And you think, well, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll just go with the flow. And that's kind of a weak-willed person. In Ephesians chapter four, verse fourteen, talks about that, and it says this then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. How easy it is to fall in the trap of listening to others and going, wow, man, that sounds good. I mean, all of us have been, I mean, most of us. I know there are a lot of people that are very skeptical, but most of us, when trusting people, we think, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds great. I need to be all in on that. Just all in on that. And whether it's a scam or whatever it is. And that's how, we, that's how gossip gets started as well. Doesn't it? I mean, we, we believe in something. We just say, oh, I'll just take it as truth. So the same thing happens. We're weak-willed. We don't have a strong enough will to stay, stand up and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be. Okay, so here's the third one. Here's the third one. The third one is the center-willed. Center-willed. And this is, this is the one to give oneself over to the influence of apathy. I just don't care. I just don't care. I, you know, in fact, I, I don't really want to be strong-willed. I don't want to be weak-willed. I just want to do what I need to do. I just want to live my life without there in, any influence. I don't really want to get over on this side. I don't want to be on this side. I just want to stay in this road and just kind of go down this path. And hopefully, hopefully I can make it to the end and everything's going to be all right. And Jesus... Jesus in Revelation tells the church of uh, seven churches of Asia, one of them, he says, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. Here's what he says I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And there's this, there's this lack of intensity in our lives. There's this lack of, of a decision that says, I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to be all in for him. And that's the Lake Homa standard, is it not? The Lake Homa standard is I decide and I prioritize to make Jesus the Lord of my life, to make him the measurement of who I am to be measured against. So Ephesians 4, we're going to go back to Ephesians 4, start with 11. This is the passage that we're looking at today. Listen to this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, we'll stop right there for right now. I'm going to read the rest of it in just a second. But understand this. God has given some individuals, leaders in his church, he has said, I want you. I want you to build up the body of Christ. I want you to prepare God's people. And what are you preparing God's people for? You're preparing God's people to reach a level of maturity that looks like Christ. And that's my job. That's our teacher's jobs. That's Austin's and Carrie's job with the children and Austin's job with the youth. That's our job to help people grow up and to look like Christ. To look like Him. Why? Because He's our measurement. Because this is where we're supposed to be. And if we're apathetic and don't really care about that and say, ah, oh, we're over here. And if we're being, uh, and if we're going the other direction and we're going down a road that is evil and, and wicked, but we're also going down a road that's, that's also, uh, you know, I, I'm being scammed in many ways. And then there's the road that says, I want to look like Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to do that. And, and, and here's the rest of that passage of Scripture, okay? Then, if you attain to this, if you are striving for that, remember, we're never going to get there. Remember, that's where grace is. This is where, this is where God is, and He is faithful, and He is a loving and gracious God, and He is helping us in this space as long as I am willing and, and giving my will over toward Him. This is what He wants. And so I'm working in this space here. It's attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, then, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is head, that is Christ. So, brothers and sisters, how are we doing on this? Where's our will right now? Because I know what the Father said and what Jesus says about the Father. It's about the will of the Father. It's all about Him. Listen to these passages of scriptures, okay? Just listen to these. These are Jesus speaking. 
Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In Matthew 12, verse 50 says, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What is the will of the Father? Is it, is it hard to ascertain? Is it hard to understand? Is it hard for us? What is the will of the Father? What is His will for us? What is His will for you? What is His will for me? What is it? Love God. Love others. Serve. Be faithful. I, I think we could probably put everything else inside of those. Love God. Love others. Love ourselves too. Let serve and be faithful. If I put him first and his will first in my life, is that what I am doing? Do I love God? And, and see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the midst, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uncertainty, and you go, well, I, but I, I want to know where I'm supposed to be or where God's leading me in this or where God's leading me on that. I want to know his will for my life. We know his will for our lives. And in the midst of uncertainty where we don't know our next direction or where we may be headed in our lives and stuff, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uncertainty, I live my life knowing this is the place God wants me to be. I live my life knowing this is the place where he wants me to be. This is the place he wants me to serve. This is the place he wants me to love. This is the place he wants me to love others. This is the place he wants me to be faithful. In the midst of uncertainty in my life, I love God. I love others. I serve and I am faithful to him. That's what we do. That's what we do. And when I think about Jesus and I think about whoever does the will of my Father is in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. My food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. In John 5 verse 30, he says, but my, my, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is this. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. In the last, last, John 6, verse 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, this is Jesus, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Are you doing your Father's will? Or are we doing our will? Is it all about me? And the one thing we have to do with our will it's so hard, so difficult, and yet this is what we've been asked by our Father to do because this is what He wants from His children, is I must surrender my will to Him. That's what Jesus did. He said, it's not about me, it's about Him. I want to do what my Father has asked me to do. I want to be about what my Father does. Do we? Do we? 
Do we have this sense of urgency that we want to be about our Father's business? And there's three things, three things I just want to give you that are helpful in that. I want to look at Luke 9, verse 23 first, which says this. Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, deny themselves, and take up their cross daily and follow me. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to choose decisively that Jesus is going to be, that God is going to be my king, the king of my life, the king of my life. I have to choose this. It's your choice. You have the Imago Dei within you. The will of God to choose your life. To choose whom you're going to serve, whom you're going to listen to, whom you're going to obey. You have that choice in your life. Who are you going to choose? Are you going to take up your cross and follow Him? Am I going to make Jesus? Am I going to make my Father the Lord and King of my life? Am I going to surrender all that I have over to Him? I got to choose decisively, and I got to I got to decide. I got to agree with myself that this is this is exactly where I need to be, exactly where I need to be. I need to be honoring Him in every aspect of my life. You've got to make that choice, and you've got to agree within you that this is good for me. It's good for me, and then we got to carry it out. We got to carry it out. Our lives, our lives are about a decision, a decision that we make, and I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like there's not this sense of urgency within us. There's not. Do you realize tomorrow may not be here? Do we realize that this is? Oh, I'll I'll make that decision. I'll really surrender my life to Him down the road. But now, brothers and sisters. We need that there's a sense of urgency that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back at a time that I don't know, you don't know, we don't know. And the question is, is how is he going to find his will if he came today? If he came, if he came today, how will he find your will? Is it totally devoted to him? Or is it totally devoted to self? Is it strong-willed? Is it weak-willed? Is it just centered-willed like apathy? I don't care. I just kind of do my thing. I mean, I come to church, I do those things, but but where's the zeal? Where's the zeal for Him? Where's the passion for God? God wants us all in, not just part of us, not just some of us. He wants us all in. He wants us all in for Him and not for other things in this world. All in for him. And here's the problem. I said it was last week. I'll say it again this week. The problem with our lives and the thing that keeps us holding us back is our ego. It's that pride within inside of us. It is that ego. We've got two options with our ego. Two options. And the first option is we can edge God out. Edge God out. And we can just edge him out. That's, that's the first choice that we have. We can say, you know, God, I don't really want you. I'm going to live my life the way I want to, and I'm going to go this direction. Or, or, we can exalt God only. We can give him praise and glory and honor in every aspect of our lives. Every aspect of our lives. 
He wants that from us. He does. He wants that from you. He wants that from me. Am I really willing to surrender all that I have for Him? I hope and pray we are. I hope and pray we do. I hope we're not lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I pray that we are on fire for Him, giving everything we have and saying, Lord, take my will and make it yours. Make it yours. Holy to you. I love you, Lycoma. Thank you. Blessings. Blessings.